You guys sound wonderful. I want you to turn with me. My assignment for tonight is found in the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you have your Bible app open and you want to follow along in the same version. But James, chapter 1. If you got it, say, I got it. For all my previous or graduating impact students in the house, Jesus, hallelujah. All right, so good to see you guys, man. I feel like we're back in impact. Come on, somebody. All right, so James chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And the Bible says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Thank God that our trials have meaning. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Verse 9, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. But let the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed. Somebody say blessed. Somebody say blessed. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Oh, I could park right there. Every time you say no, every time you resist, every time you don't give in to that craving, you're blessed. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one, and I mean no one, Say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And finally, so then, my beloved brethren... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. 
For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I want to speak to you from the subject matter, joy be to you. Joy be to you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I believe that everyone that is here in attendance, even watching online, is not here by accident. Lord, I pray that you would use me as your servant and that you would speak clearly. Help me to articulate, Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to bring revelation and that lives would be changed that mindsets would be redirected, that faith would rise in this place, and that we would experience your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for standing. You can sit in the presence of the Lord. Some may ask the question, and I thought about this as Pastor Frank begun this series on joy for the world. Some may ask, why even begin a series on joy? knowing all that we've been through this year. Still others might think to themselves, are we oblivious as pastors to what has occurred during this year? To answer these questions, I want to present some questions of my own as a potential answer. Why have you come today or chosen to watch online? Where do you go when all available resources are exhausted to find joy and peace. You might be asking, is it possible that there is something more powerful than my circumstances? Is there someone who truly understands my struggle and can identify with my weaknesses? The answer is emphatically yes. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The writer of James who happens to be the half-brother of Jesus, is careful to refer to himself as a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The key, as one commentator said, along the way, true servants of the Lord will have to put their servanthood into practice in the midst of suffering, in choosing their relationship with material wealth, in the midst of of controlling how they speak and in other life issues which the writer James addresses in this entire book. His reader's life setting is equally pertinent to the content of this letter. You know, for Bible students that are out there, there is something to be said about the revelation that comes with understanding the context of a particular passage of Scripture. It's important to understand who the writer is, what their credentials are, who was it that they were writing to, and what was the reason for their letter. Because as we dissect those important details, revelation will flow in how this scripture will be applied to your life. Watch this. We all experience sufferings. His reader's life setting is equally pertinent to the content of the letter He is writing to Christian Jews, the 12 tribes who are scattered among the nations. Some theologians and commentators believe that Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 is the backdrop of this whole letter. Listen to this. The scripture says in those verses, now Saul was consenting to his death. Whose death? Stephen, 
who was one of the first martyrs for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, he was a faithful servant of the Lord. How many of you know in this place that just because you call yourself a Christian, that does not absolve you from going through trials every now and then and experiencing difficulty? But there's hope. But it says, now Saul was consenting to his death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Powerful. To know what was going on during that time. You know, most of you probably know this, but on November the 22nd, my father went home to be with the Lord. And a couple of weeks before that, I was contracted with the virus, COVID-19. Though my symptoms were mild, and I'm thankful for that because I know that there are many that have not had mild symptoms. And some have even lost their lives, some of which I know here in this room. And my heart goes out to every one of you. But during that time, I couldn't even go to Dallas to visit my dad even before he was passing, even though I knew that there were multiple people telling me at different times that the time was imminent for him to pass. It could be a month. It could be two months. It could be three months. And all that I can say to you is that there was a comfort that came over me. Even during those times of isolation as I was separated from my family, having to talk to my daughter through a door, having to talk to my sons through a door and have food brought up to me, I'm here to tell you, even as Christians, we go through trials. Even as pastors, we go through trials. So this isn't just a cute little message that I wanted to preach to you tonight. This is something that I have lived And something that I have experienced, but nonetheless, there is a help that came up on the inside of me that I cannot even explain. When the time finally came for me to go to Dallas and be there for my father's service, which was a military service, I don't even know how I mustered up the ability to be able to minister at his service. But all that I can tell you is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There is something to be said when you are going through a trial in your life, something is activated on the inside that you can't even explain. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. By addressing them as one scattered among the nations, he is telling them at once, I know you are persecuted. I know you face various trials. I know you are suffering. All that James will have to say to his readers is said with this knowledge of their life setting. Can you identify? Furthermore, one commentator said, read that I read said, young Christians of Jewish upbringing had become the object, the objects of a great persecution by the very ones who had been their leaders in Judaism. Think about that for just a second. Before these believers became Christians, they were rooted deeply in Judaism and a lot of their persecutors were the very ones who were their mentors. The ones who were teaching them about the law. The ones who were teaching them about the covenants. And now that they had decided to place their faith and their trust in Jesus, the ones in whom they had trusted their mentors turned their back on them 
and we're ready to kill them because of following the way. Don't tell me that the Bible doesn't speak to us today. Some of you in this room during this year, you have faced persecution. Some of you during this year, some of those that you thought cared about you, that love you, ended up turning their back on you and saying things to you that you couldn't even fathom or even imagine. I'm here to tell you that the Bible speaks to you and speaks to our situation today. It's not some old book. It's not something that's not relevant. The word of God is relevant to today, and it has a word to minister to us. I love this. Stephen, a loved and respected leader who had been their leader in Judaism, um, the Christian movement had become stoned to death for his faith in Christ. The church mourned deeply for him. Meanwhile, Saul was determined to destroy the church and so was going from house to house, forcibly taking men and women to prison. With all except the apostles being driven from Jerusalem James now writes from there to believers scattered. See, when I read in that first couple of verses how they were scattered, it wasn't by choice. It was because they were forcefully kicked out of their livelihood of where they lived and were scattered because of persecution. Powerful. Certainly among James readers are people experiencing confusion, fear, sorrow, Injustice, loneliness, poverty, sickness, loss of home and family members and livelihood. In fact, trials of many kinds is what he says in chapter 1, verse 2. The message is clearly applicable to all of us and what we're facing today. When we encounter trials, what do we experience? And maybe some of you have thought this on the inside, but maybe you've never uttered it out of your mouth. In most of us, there is probably a mixture of a succession of thoughts or reactions. Fear. What will become of me? Anger. How can they do that to me? Self-pity. Won't someone feel sorry for me? Envy of others. Why aren't they suffering like I am? Come on. And confusion. Why is this happening? With these reactions, we often fall into precisely The problems James addresses for his original readers, a jealous focus on material wealth, a a selfish neglect of others' needs, a judgmental spirit and hurtful speech, and a bitter fighting with one another. Considering all we've discussed thus far, it's interesting that James would begin his letter with the verb greetings. Did you know that in the Greek, the translation for greetings is joy be to you. Hence the title of my message. How could he say this? In the midst of them losing loved ones, in the midst of them having to forsake their homes, in the midst of the persecutions, the questions, the confusions, having their mentors, people that they looked up to, turning their backs on them, even having those same people killing one of their Believers, they're brothers in Christ. Stephen, how could you say, James, joy be to you? That's what we're going to unpack for the next couple of minutes. Point number one, joy be to you because every trial lends a profit. 
Let me say that again. Joy be to you because every trial lends a profit. There is a reason why he says count it all joy when you go through various trials. The reason why he said this is because trials reveal the genuineness of our faith. Without trials, without going through things in our life, how would we know or have learned patience? How will God be able to use us and to create in us testimonies to help build others up unless we go through trials? But make no mistake about it. God is not the one that brings trials into our life, but God can use trials for his good. And for our good as well. That's very important. But it's powerful. I ask myself, Lord, why is it even in trials, your ultimate goal was to build patience? And I started thinking about patience, patience. What does this have to do with trials? And I thought to myself in Galatians, the Bible says, That when we are living in God's presence, when we are walking by the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, that we will produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, self-control. There is long-suffering. There is patience that's developed on the inside of you when you go through trials, and that's manifest evidence that you are walking in the Holy Spirit and that he lives on the inside of you. It's almost like when you hit that trial, when these things come against you, there is something that's activated on the inside. And this is why it's important that we stay in the word of God. This is why it's important that we have a reservoir of faith that builds us up so that when we go through trial, we have a well to go to. We have a word to draw from. Hmm. Another scripture that I think about is Romans 8, 26 through 27. Listen to this. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weakness for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Can I tell you something? I felt that when I was in Dallas, nothing was even coming out of my mouth, but I felt my help on the inside. You know, the Bible says in Philippians 2, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Saints, I'm trying to encourage you today that there is a help like no other. There is a comforter and a peace that will come over you no matter what you are experiencing on the inside. How is it that we can say joy be to you because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you? But it says, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. This is why I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is why he can say in his word that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I know some people have looked at that scripture. And they've interpreted that scripture as somebody who speaks in tongues. But I'm here to tell you, I've had times in my life and here recently where I couldn't even muster up a word to come out of my mouth. I was almost numb, but yet I felt the Holy Spirit groaning and interceding for me in the moment. And there was a help, a rescue that came right in the nick of time. 
Though our outward man is perishing, the Bible says our inward man is being renewed day by day. For we look not at the things that are seen, but talk to me. We look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. This virus is temporary. The struggles that we're facing, the difficulties, even the pain of losing someone will not last forever. There will be a time where we will see them again in the Lord. In fact, the Bible says at the rapture that the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. You will see them again and they will have a resurrected body. And so will you. The question is, on a daily basis, we have to ask ourselves, are we sowing to our flesh or to the Holy Spirit? It's a choice. Trials will reveal the seeds that you've sown during the downtime. Trials will reveal it. The second point that I want to make to you is joy be to you because God will never leave you in the dark. Joy be to you. Because God will never leave you in the dark. Isn't it interesting? Every time we go through a trial, in many cases, our first question is, why am I going through this? Can I get a witness in here? Have you ever asked that? Lord, why has this come into my life? Why was did I contract the virus? Why did my loved one die? Why am I going through this? And the Bible says that God will grant you wisdom. But I have to be upfront with you and say that the wisdom... That he provides is not how to cause the trial to be removed out of your life, but to give you the victory through it. Because he will every time. He will bring you through that trial. He will bring you through that situation. Every trial requires wisdom. Initially, we want to get out of the trial right away. But God is wanting to give us the wisdom to fight through it. With Jesus, you are destined to win. It's something that we quote every single weekend, Romans 8, 28. But do we believe it as we're going through? Do we say, with Jesus, I'm destined to win when you receive a negative doctor's diagnosis? With Jesus, I am destined to win when you found out you lost your job. With Jesus, I am destined to win even though my salary was cut by $20,000. With Jesus, I am destined to win even though my kids are strung out on drugs. With Jesus, I am destined to win even though I don't know how I'm going to make it. With Jesus, I'm destined to win. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you hear me, people of God? How many of you believe that tonight? You see, the thing is, a person with divided loyalty is not completely convinced that God's way is the best. Such a person treats God's word like merely a human source and reserves the right to follow it or not. He or she vacillates between allegiance to subjective feelings, the world's ideas, and God's commands. To stabilize our wavering or doubtful mind, we must wholeheartedly commit our lives and hearts to what he said, what he's declared, no matter what may arise. Our natural tendency is to seek God. Only when his desires don't infringe on our future plans. Am I speaking to somebody? We must fear him and trust he is in control. Joy springs forth as we remember his word and speak it. 
Joy be to you because he won't leave you in the dark. He'll provide the wisdom that you need and the grace to make it through. Point number three, joy be to you because God has given you the victory. You know, trials oftentimes, when we're going through something in our lives, it's interesting in that vulnerable state, sometimes the enemy will send temptations our way. That alcohol, ba- that alcohol bottle looks real tempting right now. That pornography looks real tempting right now just to kind of get an edge off. Temptations come in the midst of trials. But this is where you can't get confused, saints, people of God. No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. But God said that he is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you were able but will with the temptation make a way for you to escape that you might be able to bear? I don't know about you, but God is literally saying when you are hit with any sort of temptation, I've already given you the victory. I've already given you the victory. I've already provided a way of escape. And by the way, when you are tempted, don't ever let it cross your mind. Is this God? Because that is not me. In me is light and there is no darkness, God says. He is a good God, a good father who has precious promises in store for his children. Don't think for a moment that it's God that's tempting you. And by the way, he himself can't even be tempted as well. Some of you may ask, but why does the Bible say that Jesus was tempted in all points, but yet he never sinned? In that scripture, it's proven that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God because the man side of him could. But the God side of him could not. And how many of you are thankful that he could, He is able to identify with all of our weaknesses, with all of our struggles. And he overcame sin while he was living in the body. Are you with me? He's given us the victory, saints. Listen to this. I found this quote. Sin does not force itself on the unwilling, but is chosen because of its attractions. Let me say that again. Sin does not force itself on the unwilling, but is chosen because of its attraction. See, saints, you got to understand the enemy cannot read your thoughts. He is not God. He cannot read your thoughts, but the devil can read your reactions. This is something that he's been studying through all of humanity, through all of history, how men and women respond. And based off of your response, that's how the enemy knows whether he is receiving the victory or not based on your response. This is why it's important when you come into the house of God to worship God, to lift your hands, to praise him, to shout because you confuse the enemy because he doesn't know. What's going on with this individual? We have sent all reinforcement. We've sent every demon in hell, but yet I cannot give them, I cannot get them to give up. There's something on the inside of them that's creating this tenacity and this desire to press forward. You know what's powerful to me is Luke chapter four. The one person that we can look to who endured temptation. In verses one through two, the Bible says, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. 
Interesting to note that he was filled with the Holy Spirit first. Then he was sent into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Don't make... Don't miss that. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. What is God trying to communicate to us? You must be filled. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is something that you can ask for. This is something that in many cases is after conversion, asking God to baptize you with his Holy Spirit, with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. I can tell you straight up that when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, there were miracles that began to transpire in my life. Dyslexia was gone. Stuttering problem was gone. The ability to minister God's word came. The ability to overcome obstacles and struggles through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As I spoke in tongues, God brought forth miracles. And this is available to anyone who is willing to receive it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit being filled. Could it be that this event was a precursor? to what Jesus was about to go through. You know, I don't know about you. Whenever there's been any sort of elevation in my life, there has always been a trial or a test beforehand. There's always been something that I've had to go through or something I've had to overcome before that elevation comes or before that new season arrives. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. Continue to seek God and His Word. Continue to yearn for Him. To grow deep in him. What Jesus, what gave Jesus victory and what gives us victory now is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and crucifying our flesh. I close with this. Joy be to you because God is good. Did you hear me, Faith Church? Joy be to you because God is good. He knows the hairs that are on your head. As I said earlier, that he knew you before the foundation of the world. So it really doesn't matter. It does. But in God's eyes, no matter how your mom and dad came together, no matter what the situation was, your life is not an accident because he knew you before the two of them ever got together. So maybe you walked in here thinking that your life is worthless. It's meaningless. Maybe you're on the verge of depression, committing suicide, even those watching online. I want to challenge you today that God knew you before the foundation of the world and he had a plan for your life. And that's not just something that we say. It's not a cliche. It's what God's words tell us. God wanted to set the record straight about his character and nature in verses 16 through 18. These verses must be memorized and etched in our hearts as we face trials of many kinds. Not only will these verses increase our faith in God, but they'll give us the endurance to make it through. As I said earlier, God is light. There's no darkness in him. Immersing ourselves in the things of God is important. When you're going about your day, having Christian music playing in the background is important. It keeps your mind regulated. Being mindful of the things that you watch. Being mindful of the company that you keep. Being mindful of your purity. Being mindful of these things will make sure that your posture unto God is in the right place. Hmm. Let's face it, the devil is not after your livelihood, your body, your marriage, your children, your family. But as I said earlier, he wants your worship. 
That's the one thing that he craves and has craved ever since he was cast out of heaven is your worship. I remember like when I was in college and a good friend of mine was ministering a word and he ministered on this very topic. Sometimes some of us get a flat tire. Maybe you've gotten one over the holidays and you may say, man, I can't believe this happened. But even in that moment, even in that trial, even though some may say that's a minuscule trial, that's a small trial, but it's a trial. Like other trials, even in that, the enemy is looking for your response. Will you curse God? Will you refuse to give God the glory? Will you stop coming to church? Will you stop praising him? Will you stop lifting up his name? Even with that diagnosis, even with the bad news that you've received, even with your family being torn apart, will you trust him? Understanding the audience James was writing to is understandable why he was challenging them to extend God's goodness to others in the same way they had received it. This is why James tells them to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. If a believer gets angry in difficult circumstances, and let's face it, some of us get weak. Sometimes, even as a man, there can be so much that's on your plate, so much that you're thinking about that you can easily lose it. But watch this. If a believer gets angry in difficult circumstances, the practical righteousness of God will not be evident in their life. When someone wrongs us, the natural tendency is to retaliate, at least verbally. However, this response does not glorify God holding one's tongue, trying to understand the other person's position, and leaving vindication to God. Demonstrates godly love in these tense situations. James has more to say to this group of believers, and I would challenge you to read the rest of this book. But for us, my hope is that through this message, you understand a little bit better the reason why we go through trials. Everyone stand with me here in this place. Revelation can only come by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is only possessed by an individual when they choose to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to ask everyone in this room, do you know where you stand with the Lord? If Jesus were to crack open the sky right now, and what we call the rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, would you be ready? Would you be ready to be with him? I've preached this before in earlier messages. The rapture is a signless event. We don't know the day nor the hour in which he comes. It's a signless event. He could come anytime. And I don't know about you, I'm ready for the Lord to come. But as long as he has me here, I want to be useful to him. As the song says, I want to make room, make room for God in my heart. I want to clear my schedule. I want to make him a priority. I want to put him first. May he be first. The first thing that I do when I rise and the last thing that I do before I go to bed. Lord, I want to put a premium on your word. That can only be accomplished if you submit to the Lord. With every eye closed, maybe you would say here in this place and for those watching online, I need the Lord. I've been trying to do life on my own. I've been trying to make it. I've been trying to get by through my own resources. But every time they fail, 
Jesus is calling. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's asking you to make room. I get the picture of Jesus in the womb of his mother Mary and Joseph frantically looking for somewhere to deliver this baby. In every end that they turned to, they said, we don't have room. We don't have room. I wonder if they knew who he was then, would they have made room? Will you know who he is now? Will you make room? He's calling on you. If that's you and you want to give your heart to the Lord Jesus, will you raise your hand in this place? I just want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Anyone here in this room, you want to make that decision to surrender your life to Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone that's watching and even for those that are here. God, I pray, God, as we close out this year and go into 2021, we know that you are not limited by time. Father, I pray right now that we would commit our hearts to you, that we would make room for you. Maybe our heart has become callous. Maybe our heart has become hard because of what we've experienced in this year. But God, I pray that you would help us to make room for you. You would soften our heart, God. You would reveal to us your goodness, the places that you've brought us through, the things that you've done for us all of these years. God, help us to surrender all to you. Have your way. Comfort those who are going through. Give them strength. Watch over us and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen.